0: Hi, it's uh, Wednesday, in the, in the in midday and in afternoon, and I wasn't planning to talk now, but um, Mishpacha Stefanski told me, asked me to elaborate on what I said the other day about Eya Shereya and all this sort of thing, the names of God, Moshe Rabbeinu and the Parsha, I guess it's more like you say, a philosophical, Ashkafic type of issue. And uh, I want to honor the request, especially they have a, a wedding coming up um in a few days and in, in tuesday i think so uh and we just finished ours and now i'm post shabba whatever is going to be shabba is out of town and uh, anyway i'm not in shape to go anywhere today so i'm still trying to recover but uh but what do you call it anyway just cut right to the chase so uh anyway mazel tov to them and now get down to business as I always say you have this funny um scene as we all know <clears throat> where he says, what's the name? Moshe then goes to the burning bush, and he says, "Well, you know, and God says, I want to recruit you to go and lead the Jews out of Egypt. And um, which they, which a apostles but earlier, they said, we can't take it anymore. Um, and then Moshe says, I don't even know the name. And Hashem says, yeah, sure, yeah. But as you can know, the apostle goes on to say, Something like, he don't tell you, he say, don't tell him the whole business. And, you know, Rashi has his way, this midrashic way. Uh, it's always a very distinct way, where Moshe Rabbeinu says, like this, means I'll be with you in this cause, I'll be in future Holocaust. And Moshe says, Do we really want to tell him that? And Hashem says, Oh, good for it. You're off at the barter or something. So, you know, okay, just tell me. yeah. Uh, which is, like I say, a kid that's a you know, midrashic way of uh, approaching this. But, in the larger sense, if you look at the Pashtanim of the real Pashtanim, like the B'chor Shor, and, and certainly the Rambam, and people like that, although I must say, I don't remember this Pasuk exactly being in the Rambam. I must be wrong, you know, but, um, but I don't remember this one specifically. He talks about the name Yudke Vavke, I mean, that's true, but, uh it all boils down to the same thing. And that is the following. I've always said, at least the way I see it, which is not the only way there is. Right, I'm not saying that, you know, boastful or anything like that, just what it is. That the story of Shamos, in fact, all bracious and Shamos, the whole Chumash, is the story of a theological evolution in terms of Havana understanding. Who says that Abel Mavino understood everything about their bunchalam? He 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 God talked to him. That's more than you and me. And he was obviously in some high Madrid, obviously. That doesn't mean he understood every Nakuda, I mean, you know, maybe did maybe they didn't. We don't know. Albert, he Yaakov, all these people. Moshe, I mean, it's very hard to figure this out, because a lot of it has to do with what I've talked about in the past, which is the blank spot in the biography of Moses. Was he raised by Graham or not? Did he have a, a public school education as seems to be? Ebenezer and the others raised in Pharaoh's house and he only discovers his brother's Jewish identity, some say he was 20, some say he was 40 when he went out to look at their uh, sufferings. If he was 40, which comports more with the stories that Moshe had been previous like that, he had a life as an Egyptian general and all that kind of stuff. Excuse me. So it doesn't sound like a guy who's into theology all the rest of it, except in the Egyptian fashion. Um... And now he's discovering, you know, the, Jew, the Jewish stuff. And uh, it's pretty clear to me, me, myself, and I, that, you know, we're talking about the beginning of a, of an evolution, which continues all through the Sefer Shemos and beyond. <laughs> Certainly through the Sefer Shemos. Because all along the way, Hashem is going to tell him, I'm going to take the Jews out of Egypt. And Moshe said, how are you going to do that? He said, you'll see. And then in some the of the 10 plagues, and Moshe, like, really? And you know, and you see, he can do that. And by experience, when you see Hashem, I guess the God of Israel is the one who can do Dom for day and Keenum and all the rest of it. And eventually, he can even do Kriyas Yamsuf, which is pretty amazing. So, in other words, Moshe is saying, like, it's wow, son of a gun. This is a very powerful force I'm dealing with. But when you get to the philosophical and higher parts, it's not so clear. Uh, now, I just want to be clear the Ramban when the Chumash, by the way, doesn't agree. He says something like, Moshe was already a full, fully qualified, you know, totally knowledgeable Moshe uh, of He's already like the, the, the Moshe that we all know. Look, the Ramban knows better than me, but I can only tell you the way I see it, which is, you see later on, for example, that Moshe is shocked. With the with the golden calf, and uh, you know, and God doesn't comport to the way Moshe would understand it. That's why we say that he saw, you know, Hashem uh, Shemil and all that. Like Moshe says, "Wow, I didn't know. Do you have this?" And he even says, "Show me your face," which is Tzadik Viralo B'rushel Batoblo. That's what the Chazal say. Is you know, and so there were. I mean, Moshe didn't know everything. And he's trying to learn, and God says, you can only see the back of my face, not my face, and all the rest of it. I mean, we know this. So Moshe, after the golden calf, is not the same Moshe that he was at the burning bush, for example. So he's saying, what is the name I should tell the Jews? Now we know in this week's Parsha, it says that he only appeared by El Shaddai. Shmi'ah Yud, He D, didn't reveal to them. Leaving aside... You know, the questions that you find that is there and all the rest of it, that's classic stuff. But what is Hashem, you know, seems to indicate that the Avos and the predecessors knew God in one way and not in, in, in another way, they didn't know everything. And therefore, based on the old notions, it would seem that they wouldn't be getting out now maybe because there was a prophecy of 400 years, maybe because the Jews aren't in the right madrega, I mean, all kind of possibilities suggest themselves. And we say, which are ambiguous phrases. Avodah is not hard to understand, but is a hard one. I mean, it's a it's a juicy one. You know, what does it mean, kotzeruach? At least to me, I say always all the time. I can only tell you what the way I understand it. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm the only way I understand it at this point in my life. And, uh, one second. I am still coughing and sneezing. Anyway, um, so it's interesting that Eya makes most sense, as far as I can see, in what we would call the Maimonidean way, or you find in the B'chor Shor, and to a limited degree in the Chvesa, the Rashbam, I think maybe, and that is, you know, Machoeba Messias, which means that it's not so pushed for people to get in their heads that God created existence. You understand? That the definition of God is that which created literally everything. Because in that case, you run into the problem of transcendent, transcendence versus imminence, right? Which is the basic steer to the story of the exodus, exodus of Egypt. On the one hand, you're going to define God as that which is anterior to everything else. Meaning it was, I mean, once upon a time, nothing existed, including nothing. You understand? That's their result. Even nothing didn't exist. And then things started to to, exi- to come into existence when God willed it. And I can't even use the word God willed it because God does never will. You get what I'm saying? The concept of God's will is a created thing also. Everything you can think of is created. So that is what you call the God of the philosophers. It makes sense if you say that God is that which created everything, literally everything. As the Raman puts it, you have to understand God is, if nothing else existed, God would still exist. But if God didn't exist, then nothing else would exist. That was kind of a radical idea. Even now, I can say it. A lot of people have trouble wrapping their heads around it because there are a lot of consequences to that. For example, God is not good or bad. I, we say God is good and great and powerful and, you know, oil, God, and all that other stuff. It's not literally true, right? He created all the idea of God, Allah, and all the rest of it. So God is not Tov or Rahmim. He created those. If he created those, do you understand what I'm saying? Then he can't be it. It's not identical with God. These are things that he made. So he existed, if I can use the term, before those things existed. So the essence of God cannot be those. These are all contained in the phrase, that, you know, I'll be what I'll be, meaning I, I, I bring into existence the very concept of existence. And therefore everything comes from that. And that's a heavy one. That's a heavy one. Because basically, Moshe says, What's the name? He says, Well, I'll give it to you, but you won't understand me. Which means that I don't have any needles, really. And there's nothing you can say about me. Now, as I said before, that's the God of philosophy. And it makes sense, except that it denies the human being any chance of any relationship with that. I mean, you're telling me God is something beyond, beyond, beyond. And even that is a made-up concept. The idea of beyond, beyond, beyond is also made up. And the God who is unknowable, you know, that's not true, because Hashem created the concept of unknowable. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You certainly can't say God is infinite, because who created the very concept of infinite and finite? They're all, every word that you use, every word, every term, is created. Right? It's created. So that cannot be identical with the Creator. Like I say again, that's kind of heavy. So now you tell me, Hashem is not really God al give Now, if we're having a, a Hashkafa class with Moshe ben Maimon, and, you know, with the Rambam, alright, that's one thing, right? Or a bull session in some dormitory. But if you get down, lemaisa, how can I dab and what's the point of missus, this, and that, you know, all the And how can you tell me God has a will? I'm not listening to God, I'm listening to the will of God. Those are heavy things. Now, Moshe says, You know, tell me the name. And he Hey, Yesharia. But then even Rashi says in a different way, in a Midrashic way, that Moshe had a reaction to that I said, Do we really want to go there? I mean, Hey, Yesharia. And there's no way to relate to this because a completely transcendent God is, at least from the human being point of view, not compatible with an imminent God who intervenes in human affairs and who moreover displays emotions that are completely not possible for a, for a schlemistic, you know, uh, entity. Now, it cannot be that, that which is, you know, which lacks nothing and you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, is, is, uh, you know, uh, unchangeable as I've said many times should have emotions. So God cannot like or dislike anyone. I've said this a hundred times. <clears throat> you get it? Uh, just very briefly. Let's say I like you. Pshak goes like you. You. Pshak goes like this. I can't like you if I never met you or heard of you. Right? If somebody in Kukamanga got I me. Mean, I don't know them. I, you know, I can't have a like or dislike. Never heard anything about him. Now I'm going to change the story. I met you. Let's say I met you at a wedding. So now you entered my life, my my, my consciousness. And let's say, whatever reason, you're a turn-on. Let's say you're a turn-on. So I respond to that with the emotion of like, I like you. Yesterday, you didn't exist in my consciousness. Now you do. And because you do, I respond with the emotion of like. You filled my life with something positive, at least from my point of view. Now I'll give you a different story. I met you at a wedding, I never met you before, and you're a turn-off. So I respond with the emotion of dislike. Before the wedding, I never knew you existed. I couldn't like or dislike you. You added a dimension to my life, an experience, an acquaintanceship that never existed before. It so happens you're a turn-off, and so I respond with the emotion of dislike. Uh, Either case... You added something to my existence which didn't exist before. That's because I'm a human being and I'm not Shlemus. I'm not Shalem. And so these are emotions that respond to shinuyim you know, changes in the reality. But with God, obviously, there's complete Shlemus. And, e- and even the word Shlemus is not right because that's a created concept, <laughs> meaning a concept created by God. So, he gave me, say, so you get the problem. Now, ordinarily, like I said before, if this was just a philosophical discussion, you could develop this. However, the whole story of Yisit Mitzrayim is the arch example of an imminent God. What is basically going on over here? Hashem said I can't see, I can't stand all the suffering of the people in Egypt, and I'm going to intervene. I know it's early, but I'm going to do it anyway, right? kishamati it's noxav, what is it? it's Hashem Mitzrayim. So basically, Hashem is like this. I can't take this anymore. Right? I heard what they're crying. Because, and all that, as we know the story. And Hashem is like this. I'm getting them out now. And you're going to be my instrument for doing it. That's what he told Moshe Rabbeinu. That's a case of emotion sort of ruling theological consistency. Now you say like this, so it doesn't make sense. If there's a completely, you know, transcendental God, it cannot be the same as a completely imminent God who seems to act sort of like a human, a superhuman, with likes and dislikes and emotions and all the rest of it, and jealousy and compassion and and, and so on and so forth. This is the God that we know about, that we talk about all the time, Uh Kisei uh Adin. You know, my shoulder say it's filled because of the war going on. Um for the Israeli soldiers in the Gaza War after davening and this. Uh, we used one I liked it from um the chief rabbi, rabbi Yosef's Israel son, it's a like, good safe. And he said, something like that. Which is classic Jewish language. Right? God, get off this chair and go to that chair. It doesn't really make sense that we're trying to explain a phenomenon of an emotion associated with that which does not have emotions. But the arch example of that, and there's a million chazals and rishonim and rambans and all the rest of it, is Yitzhak Mitzrayim. That God intervenes directly and does miracles and, uh, uh, you know, punishes the Egyptians. And all that, which is the actions of a human being. A human being who, by the way, shows favoritism. I don't like team B, I like team A. Therefore, I'm going to intervene on behalf of team A. In our story, the B'nai Yisrael are team A. The midstream are team B. And it gets to be a point, the way God conducts himself, he's, so to speak, having fun with the Egyptians, you know. I'll push you around a little bit, and I'll push you around a little bit more. D'Ams, Fardai, K'inam, Arv, all the rest of it. I mean, why didn't Hashem hit him right away with Damakas Becharis and make him bust him right there? He don't want to do that. So these are not compatible with the philosophical transcendent God, Hosei Yasharei. And that's, as I understand it, for avram Yitzchel Yaakov Shaddai sh'mi Hashem lo'nadatu That To so Avram Yitzchel I revealed myself as that which can operate in nature. What does Shaddai mean? Shomrim Dai, or something, or you know, something like that, right? <laughs> I can make the sea stop. I can say enough. Meaning, I'm in charge of the world. But, that means that there is such a messiah called the world. Hashem just has special powers in there. Superpowers. Where did those powers come from? It doesn't address that. You see? says there are no there's no world so to speak and there are no powers everything was created by God so you can't say God is strong because we're dealing with a different level and that's not the right word to use either because a different level means that's the same kind of thing you and I know just times a million you ask a little kid is Hashem powerful? yeah how powerful is it? always oh, like Superman times a billion but it's not true you understand? it's of a different nature you know, ain't, the music, ain't goof, and you can't, you can't uh, make any comparisons. <sighs> really a bad cough. And so it's really interesting that Moshe Rabbeinu was called to take up this position. Basically, said, so I guess, who am I dealing with? You know, they they tell me that you know, um, you know, uh, that Hashem's going to go and, and 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 take you out of bondage of Egypt. But who are you exactly? I mean, I know you're Elihav I get that. Right? I get that. I mean, I know my history, Moshe says. But I don't know how you inter- interacted with the others. I mean, I, I don't know the mechanics of it. And Rabban himself says that this was a completely intelligent question to ask. I mean, not that you can get an answer, but, you know, it's a completely intelligent question to ask. Uh, now, Sashem um, says, you want to know who I am? It's yeah yeah. But Moshe then says, and this is my take from not Rashi exactly, do we really want to go there? No, they're not going to be able to handle this because maybe I myself have trouble handling it. That you created everything to, you know, it's a, then why put the people through such slavery? I mean, obviously, you're relating to Clay Yisrael in terms of like and dislike. Right? I mean, th- that's what it seems. I understand that you that, you know, ultimately not, but I don't understand exactly how that works. It seems more like it's based on like and dislike. Right? Um, you're gonna take them out because they're the children of Ami Tsagiako. You're gonna the, the ones who are gonna suffer are the ones who are gonna suffer. I will, I will punish Egypt because of what they did to the people. I don't like Egypt. All that kind of stuff is in, wrapped up in this. And that's why in the end, Hashem says, all right, don't tell them, tell them aleichem. just some part of the, right? Can't give the whole business because it'd be too heavy for them. Uh, they're slaves. <laughs> and not only were they physical slaves, but they're mental slaves, meaning that's the meaning of Mem Tesharitumah, that they were, you know, powerfully influenced by the Egyptian, you know, whole culture and religious system. Egypt had a tremendously organized and and uh, variegated uh, religious system. You know, there they worship pussy ants and things like this. And crocodiles, and who the heck knows what? Not just, you know, not just people, but behemoths and insects and things. I mean, I'm serious, they really did. So, it's the antithesis of what I just said. You're going to tell him, hey, Asher, "Hey, yeah, that you know, it's one thing and create everything else, and if the whole thing is baloney, <laughs> the to- the Torah isn't written that way, right? The Torah says Hashem is a jealous God. It says He punishes the gods of Egypt. Yeah, elsewhere in the in the Chumash, later in Devarim, whatever it says, you know, He'll punish the gods of the Goyim. That sounds like there really are gods out there, but you and I know there's nobody to punish." I mean, when he says, If you want to translate it in the regular way, which is, I'll punish the gods of Egypt. What gods? There are none. Get it? But it has to be perceived by the slaves. You know, where they're holding it. As they perceive it, the Ravon Shalom is going to punish the gods of Egypt. Uh, When they reach a higher level later on, don't understand that there were no gods of Egypt. It's a little bit like the Rambam says about the concept of Mashiach that he couldn't tell the Jews yet at the time they were leaving Egypt. There's going to be a, a messianic year and all the rest of it. They weren't they weren't ready for that yet because he can't change people instantly unless you want to do so through a miracle. But the miracles that always take place in the Book of Shemos are in the goof and not in the inside in the in, in the brain. <laughs> Isn't that right? You have external things like. The ten plagues the splitting of the sea. my Sinai. All kind of things like that. You know, the the the, the mon. All kinds of things which are external. Hashem doesn't, why, why doesn't Hashem simply say like this? I'm going to go to all the Jews. I'm going to hit a reset button. And I'm going to brainwash everybody. Boom, like that. Shazam. That now you know that Eishereya and all the rest and everything else was baloney. It's It's a little too much. And so at least that's what it seems. And so the result is that Moshe, um, having ventured to ask God, you know what what's going on over here, who who are you, got an answer. That even Moshe sees, eh, we can't, not yet, you know, not yet. Now, the reference to the avos is interesting, because kabbalistically. Zohar in those places, they say that the Gold of Mitzrayim was a token for sale of Yosef. That you can already, you know, you could, you, that's a logical vart. not hundred percent. Because why should the descendants have to suffer sins of the parents? But you could, you know, you 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 could work that out, so to speak. Uh, but that ain't Egyashereya, okay? And so in the end, when Moshe goes. To the Jewish people, he says, It's the God of your forefathers that sent me. As far as the Hebrew slaves are concerned, I'm sure. To them, there are a million gods out there, but there's also the God of Avraham, Isaac, and Yaakov. And my God is stronger than your God. And the proof of the matter is, my God's going to beat up your God. And your God's not going to be able to do anything against my God. As a matter of fact, when it's all over, my God is going to go and, and 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 burn, or call Elohim, Yitzhak, and say, Shabbatim, and all the rest of it. So, first, you have to have the idea God is the strongest boy in the block. When you move past that, then you'll understand there was no block. <clears throat> okay? And when you move past that, you understand you can't say God is uh, likes or dislikes. But I'll say it again that's a long gap because even we don't understand that. And second of all, if it's, if it's shoo to gmach mo, what are you doing davening or doing anything else for? You? There's nobody to talk to. So this is a basic and fundamental philosophical conundrum, which on the one hand does lie at the core of the, you see some trying story does who is it that took the Jews out of Egypt? But on the other hand, you know, uh, doesn't sound so philosophical. Hashem comes across in the stories in Shmos as like a big brother of some kind or another, looking out for all these unfortunate slaves, getting exasperated when they don't react with the proper gratitude towards him or they go off to derrick and things like that with the golden calf I mean it's not the all-seeing uh, you, know, uh, you know God of philosophy and the truth is as you and I know these two concepts of the imminence and the transcendence are there till today and we struggle each one of us trying to understand how they work out we just know the God is the ultimate transcendental sort of thing. Even that, it's not true because he created the word transcendental. At the same time, he's also, in the, you know, he's, he's active in, in, in our affairs. Look, I don't know about you, I'm davening every day that Hashem should make the Hamas you have a collapse, and the Hezbollah and all, right, aren't you? We don't say, oh, my mom says that, you know, this, that, and the other. Well, the heck with that, I want the big brother, the same God in Egypt punish the Egyptians, I want him to go and punish, you know, and Hezbollah or something like that. And Iran, while you're at it, and I have another uh, I have more on the list as well. That's that, that's the human being at, at the emotional level of the human, being, which is not to be laughed at. Maybe the philosophers, you know, uh, mock the emotional side of things and say it's inferior to the intellectual side of things. Well, I don't know if that's true at all. Anyway, I think this is what lies at the heart of this conversation. Uh, and as I'll say it again, Hashem says, You want me to give you the whole shebang? It's aya shereya. But by the time it's all over, Moshe says, nah, you know, Hashem says, let's just say the Aya part. Uh which to me means I can't it'll be too much. What's the right word? Cold turkey, you know, it'll be too shocking to say the full business. Therefore, it it's a part of it. And we'll 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 get to the full business a little uh, little by little over the course of centuries, including our own. Anyway, that's more or less, the way I understand the conversation. And uh, again, I want to thank Mishpov's Stefanski as always. And if my health permits, I'll try to come to the chasera. Uh But we'll see um, how that unfolds in the next several days. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at ww.dot